Hey everybody, this is Anna. So we definitely have quite a bit that we want to get into on this episode. Um, this is going to be one of my longer ones. So we are just going to dive right on in, not really waste a bunch of time. And so yeah, um, we're going to start off with news in this episode. Um, we didn't do any in the last one, but this one we're doing some news. And let us see. So actually this first one, we are going to do... Do a non-trans or LGBT-related story. So, you know, the name of the podcast is, I'm, um, you know, Ramblings of a Transgender Christian. Um, and this, this story, sorry, not episode, um, is going to be on the more religious front. Because I feel like this needs to be talked about. So, in Tennessee... They are, the Republicans there are trying to make the Bible the official state book. No, you, you, you did not mishear me. Tennessee Republicans are actually trying to make the Bible the sta official state book. Yeah, you know, um, the Constitution just kind of went flying straight out the window. Obviously, you know, these great Constitution defenders are... Just ignoring the Constitution, um, but yeah, it, it it's it's absolutely just it's terrible in every way. It is terrible in just about every way. I mean, I don't know what else to say. But anyway, so the article is actually from LGBTQ Nation, um, and oops, sorry, accidentally switched article. Um, anyway, so here's what they say. A Tennessee Republican lawmaker is trying to get the Bible designated at the official state book. This country wasn't founded on Buddhist or Muhammad or any of those religions. Okay, the, the, the religion isn't called Muhammad. It, it's Islam. Oh my gosh. Dude, seriously, if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna say, if you're gonna be say something stupid, at least get the thing that you're, at least get the stupid rights. Like, come on, dude, it, it's Islam. <laughs> um, State Representative Jerry Sexton, Republican, said, "Our country was founded on Judeo-Christian values." No, no, it wasn't. The the country was built on secular values. If we were built on Judeo-Christian values, we would be a theocracy. We are not. There is, there is no point in the Constitution where it's like, yeah, we, 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 this country is built like, no, there, there, there is no point where we are built on Judeo-Christian values. Like, all you have to do is actually, you know, study history. Like, this is such a normal, this is such a right-wing Christian conservative lie that unfortunately has been repeated for so long now, so many times, that would, like, so many people, even people who aren't, like, Christian conservative just assume it's correct, when it's straight up that we're not. We are built on a, sec we are built based on the secular values. We, if they, if the founding fathers gave a flying crap about Judeo, like, by making this a good Judeo-Christian country, we, we'd be a theocracy, okay, people? No, this is a, this has always been a secular government 
based on secular values, okay, people? Can we please just get this cracked for crying out loud? <sighs> but it, the thing is, if you say that, well, you it, it completely destroys what people like, um, what is his name? Ralph Sexton, I believe. No, Jerry Sexton, sorry. Jerry Sexton um, wants, which is a theocracy. Evangelical conservatives want a theocracy. That's what this guy wants. That's all that they want. They want this to be a Christian conservative nation who, where the Bible determines all the laws. It is the, everybody's science book. It's the history book, you know, and, you know, American history is based off the 176, the, what is it? 1776 commission, I believe it's called, which is just, which is a whole just load of pseudo historical, um, whitewashing crock like okay let's just not pretend it's anything else but um yeah this guy just wants a theocracy <laughs> anyway so sexton introduced house joint resolution 150 this week that would add the bible to the state's list of symbols as the state's book completely ignoring the constitution which says pretty clearly that you know um it's not, it, the government is not supposed to be establishing a state religion, which, you know, just basically would be doing, okay? It really would be. Anyway, Democrats said that the resolution would be unconstitutional because the First Amendment bans the government from establishing a religion. Representative Bo Mitchell, Democrat, said that his neighborhood is different, has people of different faiths in it, and he doesn't want to elevate one religion above others, which is a good thing. Why are we trying to promote Christianity above every other religion in government? This is a diverse country. I know that conservatives hate that fact that the, uh, the idea that this is a diverse country just is absolutely abhorrent to them. But this is, okay? We have lots of Buddhists. We have Muslims. We have Hindus. We've got Mormons. we got Scientologists. we got Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay? We... We've got Amish. <laughs> we got Jews, okay? Like, you can't elevate one religion over the other. Otherwise, what we're left with is Iran and India and Pakistan. Countries like that. Do you want to be those? No. No. I don't want to be Iran. I don't want to be Saudi Arabia. I don't want to be India, okay? No. Well, like, do you think that persecuting people for their religion is a good thing like oh my gosh clear i mean you clearly don't because you know you're always bitching about christian discrimination which doesn't exist in this country you know like it's like how so persecuted you know that christians are when we're, we're not but like, in, it, it, but at the same time and immediately like you want to make all these laws kicking out muslims and all that stuff it's just like you can't have it both ways, buddy. You can't decry persecution when it comes to you. And first off, you're not even being persecuted. And, you know, and then immediately, yeah, you know what we should do? Persecute Hindus and Muslims. Yeah, you know, that, that's a good thing by, you know, ensuring that Christianity is a state religion. Because guess what? If you institute Christianity as state religion, you by 
default have to start persecuting people of the other religion. Because I know that there are going to be some, you know, who are going to probably claim, like, no, no, no. We could be, you can, you can have, you know, one thing as state religion and, you know, allow Islam and Hinduism, you know, we don't want to take that away. No, you literally have to. What's the point of having a state religion then? <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway. So, um, Bo Mitchell had this to say, it's kind of hard for me to be caring and tolerant of my neighbors if I am telling them my book is better than their book and is, and it ought to be recognized by this state, he said. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but Sexton, the, the Republican trying to push this, get this, says that it's a sign that the Bible is being discriminated against. <laughs> What I'm trying to do is to be respectful towards everyone's concerns. Oh, really? You are? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And just put the Bible where I feel that it belongs, he said. Do you know where? Hey, Sexton. As a fellow Christian, do you know where I feel like the Bible belongs? On your nightstand. On your bookshelf. In the church pews. On Lifeway Christian's um, web store. Do you know where I don't think it belongs? Being the state book, a.k.a. being the state established religion. <laughs> no, the Bible does not belong on this government pedestal. What are you talking about, bruh? What? And no, you can't have it both ways. You cannot say that the Bible is the most important book and like put it on a government pedestal, make it a state religion. And they say, oh, yeah, no, we're being respectful of everyone else. No, you're not. No, you can't have it both ways. Bro. You can't have it both ways. It doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. And how are you being respectful of everyone's concerns when you're doing something that is anti-constitutional and you are basically saying that everybody else is inferior? Like, you're not caring about anybody's concerns. You're only caring about your own desire for a right-winged Christian theocracy, fundamentalist theocracy. That's all you care about. <sighs> anyway, unfortunately, some of his Republican colleagues are backing him. Just like Nathan Bedford Forrest and Ida B. Wells and now the Bible. It's just our common heritage, said Representative Glenn Cassida, Republican. No, it's not. It's literally not. Many, many people in this country do not have a heritage of right-wing Christian conservatism. It is not our common heritage. What are you talking about? Even not, not even all the founding fathers were Christian, okay? Quite a few of them were like agnostic and atheist. Like, what are you talking about? No. <laughs> this country has never been Christian. It never will be. At least, hopefully, never will be. And that, that will be a complete nightmare. And those things should be welcomed by everyone in Tennessee. No, why? Why? Why should a Christianity-based state religion be welcomed by everybody? Why? 
what benefit, not only, first off, what benefit is it to, you know, most concerned Christians? Because not every Christian is a, you know, Christian evangelical fundamentalist, you know. And saying, like, how does this benefit a Muslim or a Buddhist or an agnostic or just anybody? Who, this only benefits one group. But, you know, straight, white, cisgender, Christian, white, male, evangelical males who have, who are, you know, middle class and above. That's the only people this benefits. How, how does, how is this supposed to be welcomed by everyone in Tennessee? How? I explain this. Make, make, make this make sense. You don't have to agree. Okay, so. Okay, so, so you just said this should be welcomed by everyone in Tennessee, but you don't have to agree. It's kind of contradictory, don't you think? You don't have to like it, but it's a part of our common heritage. No, once again, literally no. What are you talking about? To, to believe it's a part of our common heritage, you have to first off believe that this country was built on Judeo-Christian values, which I know you believe, but are just blatantly false and can be provably false by any understanding of our nation's history that isn't written that wasn't written by you know wall builders or you know a becca or something like that you know and second no once again this is a diverse country many people came here not with christian beliefs Okay, we have a lot of Muslim immigrants. We have lots of, you know, Hindu immigrants, Buddhist immigrants, all the atheist immigrants. Is it their common heritage? Is that their common heritage? I don't think so. Just saying, if they immigrated to America as, you know, one of these other religions, guess what? It's not part of their common heritage. So no, this is not anybody's common heritage. What are you talking about? Um, Representative Tim Rudd, re Republican, said that the resolution wouldn't be unconstitutional since they're not literally establishing an official state religion. In other words, well, you know, if it's not spelled out exactly, you know, then it's not that thing, you know? If we gerrymander or, you know, we try to take away voting rights and only target black neighborhoods when we do it, as long as it does, as we're not literally writing out, we're doing this because we hate black people, it's not racist. That's literally this line of logic. Republicans, I swear, are the kings and queens of technicality. Anyway, recognizing the Bible does not make establish a religion. That would make, take the state saying that the Methodist Church or Christianity or Islam or Buddhism is the official state religion. No, what you... How is saying that a religious text, a Christian religious text, is the official state book not doing that? <laughs> How? Oh my gosh. According to the Tennessean, this is the third time Sexton has introduced a resolution. In 2018, the state legislature passed a resolution, but the state's Republican governor vetoed it. Thank God. Earlier this week, Tennessee lawmakers passed a bill to ban transgender girls and women from participating in school sports because Tennessee Republicans are despicable human beings. Oh my gosh. 
honestly, it's stuff like this that genuinely makes me embarrassed to call myself a Christian. It really does. I mean, for the longest time, I, I, I went out of my way to never call myself a Christian because of these kind of people. I mean, oh my gosh, these people are just such horrible examples. Oh my gosh. Anyway, let's, um, let's move on to another story out of Tennessee. Oh my gosh. Tennessee, why? Why are you such a bad state? So what is Tennessee now doing? Tennessee, once again, this article is also from LGBTQ Nation. Tennessee bill would ban books that mention LGBTQ people from public schools. Yep, you're not allowed to mention LGBTQ people in schools because, you know, LGBT people don't exist. Um, and why don't they exist? Because we don't want them to exist. You know, if you just don't mention them, that means they don't exist because we don't want them to exist. That's how this works. Um, Tennessee lawmakers are continuing their push to be the most anti-LGBTQ legislative body in the nation. Republican State Representative Bruce Giffey, Republican, um, why did I say that again? Okay, to, to any article writers, I see this on just on every side. If you say what party they are beforehand, like Republican State Representative, but you don't need to put the R in the parentheses right after that. Why does every article writer do this? Because <laughs> like, because when I start reading in auto mode, I do that. It's like, oh my gosh, this this repetitiveness needs. I, I hate this repetitiveness. I mean, okay, you know, what? maybe I just need to start paying attention more when I get in auto mode. It's like stop allowing myself to get in auto mode. Guess I can't complain about them. You know, it seems to be pretty standard practice. I just need to stop going in auto mode and reading. Anyway has now introduced a bill that would ban public schools from using books that mention LGBTQ people. HB 800 would ensure public charter schools shall not locally adopt or use into public schools of this state textbooks or instructional materials or supplemental instructional materials that promote, normalize, support, or address lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender issues or lifestyle, according to the text of the proposed law. Because God forbid we say that these people exist and that it's normal to be them and that, you know, they're born that way. God forbid. God forbid we don't make people who are different than us suffer. God forbid. So disgusting. Because literally what this is, is if we pretend, if we basically dehumanize them and erase for existence, then hopefully, you know, that gives us less cognitive dissonance when we go out of our way to make these people suffer. That's all this is. And then here's the kicker. Here is the kicker. And we're not, uh, this is going to be the last paragraph I read of this horrendous article. Because I think this says it all. Because like we straight up don't need to hear anything else. This article goes on for a while longer. Okay, for one more paragraph, but two more paragraphs. But you know what? You don't need to hear anything else after this. The bill says that mentioning LGBTQ people, quote unquote, offends a significant portion of students, parents, and Tennessee residents with Christian values. Yes, no, your existence. Mentioning that LGBT people exist is offensive to Christian conservatives. 
if you are LGBTQ, your existence is offensive. Do you know what I think is offensive? <laughs> that, you, that you guys want us to suffer. That you guys think my existence is horrendous. That's what I think is offensive. Oh, but my, my, my feelings don't matter. I'm sorry, I forgot. My, only Christian conservative feelings matter. Whatever happened, and, 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 and the best part is, I guarantee you, all these assholes are the same people saying, um, facts don't care about your feelings, actually. Like, I guarantee you, all these assholes are like big Ben Shapiro fans. And it's just like, guess what? Guess what? Facts don't care about your feelings. That's right. <laughs> LGBT people exist. We're human beings. Get over it. Oh my gosh, just think about it. The fact that LGBT people exist shouldn't be shouldn't even be mentioned in schools. Get it offends the feelings of Christian conservatives. Oh my gosh. These people these people want us to suffer. I know I keep I know I keep saying that, but that's because a lot of people think like don't believe it. Like Believe it. Like, how else do you read this? And, you know, all the other things that these guys are doing. They want us to suffer. Oh, my gosh. And, and not only that, they don't even see us as human. People. What is this? What is this? I just can't. I really just can't at this point. I just... Oh my gosh. And you know what? I, I want to talk strictly to trans people right now, to my to my trans friends, to my trans listeners. So if you're cisgender, you know, just 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 you know, just pretend you you know, just skip ahead a few minutes, okay? You know, just just skip ahead a few minutes. This is not for you. I want to make this clear. This is not for you. What I'm about to say. This is strictly for all my trans friends who are listening, especially those who are either deep in the closet, you know, or who are not deep in the closet, but, you know, or don't feel valid, you know, or struggling with their mental health because, you know, they see all this stuff going on, you know, they don't have very much support and all that stuff, especially for you, but even for those who are more secure, but especially for those who are struggling right now because of her trans identity. L they, and just like, you know how these people, they live despite us, you know, they want us to suffer and to the point that they don't even want to, they literally want to try to pretend that we don't exist. Here's something that I've done, like, especially on days when I feel suicidal. And I'm jo not joking about this. This is something I have actually done that has given me fuel to live. Live despite straight people. I am not joking. There have been times when I've gotten suicidal because of my dysphoria or whatever. And then, you know, I will think of some fucking transphobe. Like, I think his name is Steven Anderson, I want to say. But, like, he's a really bigoted pastor who literally on a bitch shoot sermon, you know, literally said that trans people should kill themselves. Okay, I saw that sermon. And I remember listening to him say, I hope trans people kill themselves. And you know what? And I was feeling pretty suicidal around that time. And you know what? 
hearing him say that gave me the will to live because literally my thoughts were, fuck you, asshole. Fuck you. You know what? I'm going to fucking live just to fucking spite you. Fuck you, bro. No, I'm not going to kill myself. In fact, I'm going to become a, the biggest trans advocate out there just to spite you. Fuck you, buddy. And you know what? I'm being dead serious. Do that. If you're feeling dysphoric, you know, or if you feel, if you don't have much support, you know, if, you know, being dehumanized constantly is depressing you or bringing it down, you know, and you just need a, it just need a little motivator to live on. Literally live despite these people. Your existence is literally in defiance. Like, just living is an act of defiance against these people. Because they want you gone. So, you know, if you ever need motivation to live, think about these Tennessee Republicans. Think about that bigoted pastor, Stephen Anderson. Think about, you know, Donald Trump and, you know, Tucker Carlson and say, you know what? Fuck you. I know that my existence, you know, is of great offense to you and that my existence is in defiance of you and that you wish I was dead. So, you know what? Just because of that, fuck you, buddy. I am going to live just to spite you. Seriously, do it. If you need motivation to live, do it. I am not even joking one bit. I have done it, and I am not joking when I say there have been so many times when it's given me the will to live. So yes, spite the straights is what I'm saying. Um, anyway, you know, not not our allied straights. You know, I want to make that clear. Uh, don't spite the allies, okay? We, we need the allies. <laughs> I'm talking strictly about transphobic straights. Spite, spite them. Live to spite them. Anyway, um... So, uh, cisgenders, um, you're allowed to start listening again. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's move on to another bad story. Don't worry. I've got good news. I have, I, I do have good news. Um, let's see. This is from, once again, from LGBTQ Nation. I promise to you, not every article is from LGBTQ Nation this time. We do have a few articles from Peak News. Um... Catholic Church opposed suicide hotline because it included support for LGBTQ people. No, no, I did not misread that headline. I did not misread that. Anyway, moving on with the article. U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops quietly lobbied behind the scenes against the creation of the National Suicide Hotline in 2019 because it excluded specific support for LGBTQ people. The group of church leaders also opposes the Violence Against Women Act for the same reason. All persons must be protected from violence, but codifying classifications against sexual orientation and gender identity as contained in S-47 is problematic, the bishops admitted in a statement. Yeah, so so all persons must be protected by violence, but ensuring that, you know, we specifically protect people, you know, like ensure that justice comes to minorities who are killed just for being minorities. <sighs> just a bit step too far. Okay, so which one is it? Which one is it? You can't have it both ways. Or is a or like that's the generous saying. The generous reading is that minorities 
you know, minorities shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't have these special protections in place for minorities. A less charitable reading, which I think is, let's be honest, has a lot of validity, especially probably with some people there, you know, is what you is that you're saying that trans people aren't people. Because once again, you say all persons must be um, protected from violence. But these classifications are problematic. So, so, so you know, the less generous reading is that you're saying trans people aren't people. But another thing to note is the fact that they did say all persons must be codified from violence, but, okay, just want to say anything that, like, if you, anything that you say before the word but is completely negated, okay? Like, if you had to say but, anything you say before that is 100% negated by the word but, what you're saying is, no, I don't actually believe a fucking thing that I just said. So let's be honest, probably mostly, like, I think that this, it is the former one I said, you know, which is, we just don't care about minorities. <laughs> let's be honest, you know, um, I am not convinced, like, don't get me wrong, I do think that there are definitely some of them who don't see trans people as human. I absolutely believe that, but I think that most of this is just that they don't think that minorities should be covered. I, I really think that's the majority of it. Um, may, maybe I'm being slightly charitable, but you know, I, 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 the fact that they actually put it that way, you know, especially that big old butt. I, I think it's, I think it's most likely if I'm just not thinking that minorities should have these special protections. Anyway, continuing on, the men also refused to consider providing pro broader public accommodation protections for women, people of color, and the disabled. That would be included in the Equality Act because the bill would provide non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people. The bishops previously criticized the Employment Non-Discrimination Act because it doesn't distinguish between in sexual inclination and sexual conduct. And does not represent an authentic step forward in the pursuit of justice in the workplace. Okay, what what does? That's the thing. These people never, like, they love to say stuff like this. Well, that's not real equality, you know? If you really care about LGBT rights, this is what you do. If you really care about black rights, this is what you do, okay? Then what should we do? What would make this more equitable? Well, we don't really have anything except for, you know, you know, we shouldn't have it, right? So, well, then why are you, like, this is literally just concern trolling at best. At best, this is concern trolling. Because they never have any actual, you know, <laughs> suggestions other than, well, they just shouldn't have rights. They just straight up shouldn't have rights. They never have any actual you know, ideas other than that. And then the bishops even opposed the Fairness for All Act, legislation promoted by Republicans that would provide non-discrimination protections, but with larger religious exemptions. That version is supported by the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Orthodox Union, and several other religiously affiliated groups. <laughs> the Equality Act would be a violation of precious rights to life and conscience, they say. How? How? How is this a equality act, a violation of right of a right to life? 
What? How? Like, I just swear, we're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. It makes no sense. None. How, like, are you even trying to make an argument? Anyway, um, let's see. Yeah, but yeah, so going back to the original thing, these people literally went against a suicide hotline because it included support for LGBT people. It was a national suicide hotline, but just because they would give specific help for LGBT people, nah, you can't do that. You can't do it. These people would literally have have people commit suicide when they allow LGBT people have any help. Just think about that. These people would literally rather have blood on their hands, would literally rather have people slit their own throats, give them no avenue for help, than LGBT people get any help. Just seriously, just pause this podcast right now and just let that sink in. They'd rather have a suicide epidemic than a queer person get any form of help. And yet, these are the moral people. These are the, you know, the great defenders of morality. You know, the virtuous ones. The ones, you know, who claim to, you know, who who claim to be defending God and the Bible. What do you think God has to say about that? Like, do you really think a God would rather have people, like, okay, let's pretend for a minute. Let us pretend for a hot minute that God is anti-LGBT. Let us pretend that God abhors, you know, homosexuality and trans people, okay? Let's pretend for a minute that that is true, which it's straight up not. Um, But let's pretend. Do you really think that God still would rather, you know, be owning the queers than people killing themselves? Like, you really think that God would rather have people die, like, with these onboard people dying, you know, as long as we get to own the queers? Are you sure about that? If you say yes, I would like you to think very hard and long about the God that you serve, and also, it, when was the last time you picked up the damn Bible? Because that is not the God that I serve. That is not the God that is in the Bible. I I, I think we are serving completely different gods. In like, I I I don't think we're even in the same religion. Yeah, this is abhorrent. Just these people would literally rather own the libs. And save people's lives. I, 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 I'm sounded. I am, I am genuinely sounded. Like this, the thing is, this isn't just owning the queers. Like that's not what this is. This is not just merely doing that. You're also by default owning the straights. You're owning the cisgenders. You're owning the Christians. Because guess what? You're saying, yeah, your life's not worth very much. You know, we can toss you away as long as we get to, you know, as long as LGBT people kill themselves. 
well, then you're like, we can, we're willing to sacrifice your life. Like, they don't care about anybody. Like, how is this caring about anybody's life? I don't get it. I, oh my gosh. I, I, I just, I, I just can't. Anyway, I really have nothing else to say, so we're just going to move on. And this is going to be the final bad news story. Um, of this segment, um, trans people face four more time, four times more violence than cis people. This is from LGBTQ Nation. So this is definitely something we need to talk about a lot more, um, especially because there are people who are literally denying that there is a trans murder epidemic going on right now. Um, Graham Linehan, in fact, did that recently. Um, he went on YouTube and was like, yeah, no, there's no trans murder epidemic. It's completely fake, which, oh, you know, but, it, but it's straight up not. And I think these stats really help show that. A new study found that transgender people are much more likely than cisgender people to face physical violence and to be the victims of property crime. On average, transgender people experienced 86.2 victimizations per 1,000 people, higher than 21.7 victimizations per 1,000 people that cisgender people face. Once again, trans people experienced 86.2 victimizations per 1,000. Cisgender people face 21.7 victimizations per 1,000 people. Trans people were also more likely to say that they were attacked in a hate crime than cis people, according to the study published in the American Journal of Public Health. Trans women face 86.1 victimizations per thousand people, and trans men faced 107.5 per thousand people, higher than the 23.7 victimizations per thousand people reported by cis women, and 19.8 um, per thousand people reported by cis men. So yeah, um, trans men are actually victimized victims of violence more than even trans women are, which I actually did not see coming. That is probably for me the most surprising thing at this entire story. Like you know, the, the four they're being victimized four times more than cis people. You know, not super surprising for me, you know, something like that. But I actually am genuinely surprised to hear that trans men are actually victimized even more than trans women. That 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 actually did surprise me. Um, but yeah, so, and households with one transgender person in them were like twice as likely to have experienced property crime. 108 per 1,000 households with no trans people versus 214.1 per 1,000 um, households with a trans person. Um, let's see. Um, what else is worth, anything else worth reading in this article? Nope. Okay, that's everything. So yeah, people... This is why rhetoric matters. This is why it matters that people get, are dehumanizing us trans people. This is why it matters that they're trying to work against us having rights. Because this is what happens. 
we get targeted for violence at completely disproportionate rates. Completely. It's not even close. Rhetoric matters, y'all. Rhetoric matters. Anyway, let's move on to good news. So remember last December when in in over on Turf Island, or you know as some people call it England, but you know um, we know that's not what it really is called. It's it's really Turf Island. They decided to um, ban trans teens from getting puberty blockers, you know, because one cisgender kid got on puberty blockers. And, you know, and because they weren't trans, they decided that they were entitled to, you know, making thousands of hundreds of thousands of other tra- teens suffer just because they weren't trans, you know, like, you know, basically, you know, my life as a cis person is worth more than hundreds of thousands of of trans teens, you know. Well, we finally have a partial rollback. Yes. So, this is from Pink News. The High Court has ruled that a loving parent can consent to a child taking puberty blockers, in part reversing last year's decision in the Kiara Bell case. On 1st of December 2020, the High Court ruled that um, transgender children under the age of 16 must understand the implications both of puberty blockers and of potentially moving onto hormone therapy in order to consent to the medication. The case was brought by Kira Bell, who began taking blockers at age 16 and now regrets that decision, and Mrs. A, who wants to prevent her trans teenager from assessing the medication. Because once again, one cisgender life is more important than 100,000 plus trans teens. Um, the court ruled that it was doubtful that 14 to 15 year olds would be able to comprehend the long term risks and the consequences of the treatment. And highly unlikely for 13-year-olds to do the same, which is complete bullshit and flies in the face of every all science that we have on the issue. And let's see. Um, but yeah, so, you know, yeah, anyone under 16 would have to prove that they were competent. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, last year, Tavistock and Portman NHA... NHS Trust, which runs the UK's only gender identity clinic for trans children, began the process of appealing the ruling. The case of AB versus Tavistock and Portman NHS Trust, funded by Good Laws Project's Trans Defense Fund, was heard earlier this month. And the High Cools Court's ruling was released on the 26th of March, states that parents are able to give consent on behalf of her children to take puberty blockers. In the ruling, Justice Nathalie Levin Levin said that while the Bell case found it was unlikely that children could be competent enough to consent to the gender-affirming care, the key difference from Bell is that parents are, in general, in a position to understand and weigh out these matters and consider what is in the long-term and short-term best interests of their child. She continued, they are adults with full capacity and as the people who know her child best and care for him the most will be in a position to reach a fully formed decision. I agree with the view expressed that judges do not necessarily know best and that judges should be slow to displace the decision role making role of committed and loving parents. 
But it's not to say that they're not cases where the court acting in an independent way may not be in a better position to make a decision than the parents. Highly doubtful. Um, actually, yes. Actually, that, actually, now I feel about it. Yes, there are cases where that's true. Never mind. I completely take that highly doubtful comment. I completely revoke that upon just a second of thought. Um, anyway, however, such cases will arise in individual cases, not simply on the category of prescribing puberty blockers to children. So yeah, um, there, there's a lot more to this, but I don't really think there's we really need to read the rest. But yeah, I mean, this is this is good. This is a beautiful first step um, to repealing the ruling. Now they are like doing working for a full repeal, but in the meantime, until this is repealed, yeah, this is this is a perfectly acceptable compromise. In the meantime, while they work to get this repealed, which hope to God that they do, because there is no reason why you should be forcing these kids to suffer just because one cis kid ended up not and went on them when they weren't trans. Like, it's so beyond disgusting. But this was ever made a rule. Anyway, um, final good news for this segment. Most Republicans support marriage equality and LGBTQ non-discrimination protections now. A new poll shows that the majority of Republicans support marriage equality for the first time, and a majority of them still support LGBTQ anti-discrimination protections. According to a public religion research institution, PRRI, poll released this week, 51% of Republicans support marriage equality. That's up from 47% in 2019. Support was still higher than in other partisan groups that were polled. 72% of independents support marriage equality, and 76% of Democrats do too. Same poll found that 79% of Americans support um, support non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people, including 62% of Republicans. Support was even higher among independents and not Democrats. A majority of all racial and religious groups in the survey, including white evangelical Christians, support anti-discrimination protections. The poll also asked um, participants if they should believe that small businesses should be allowed to reserve, blah, should be allowed to refuse to serve LGBTQ people for religious reasons, and sixty-one percent of respondents oppose religious exemptions. Um, let's see, still only 42% of Republicans oppose religious exemptions. A majority of independents and Democrats oppose them, which is an increase from 39% in 2019. Um, white evangelical Protestants and Mormons were religious groups and most likely groups support religious exemptions. So yeah, this is beautiful. This is good. We are winning the war. I Okay, people... Like, I know that it's dark right now, especially for the trans community right now. Like, things seem really dark. But remember this. This shows we are, in fact, winning the war. We are wi we are winning the hearts and souls of everyone, including evangelical conservatives. They are coming onto our side now. Okay? And also, remember this. This is also further proof of what I've said before. The average Joe Blow Republican 
is not our enemy. Your next door neighbor flying the Trump flags, you know, and having to, you know, to stop the steal signs. They are not the enemy. It's the propagandists. It's the lawmakers who, the bigoted lawmakers who are trying to make us suffer. It is the activists. It is not the average Joe Blow. The average Joe Blow is waking up. The average Joe Blow has morals. Unlike, you know, the propagandists and activists and, you know, um, lawmakers. Those people don't have morals. Average Joe Blow, on the other hand, does. Yes, even that one with the Trump flags and stops the seal signs, you know, and the Biden will never be my president kind of people, you know, the people like masks are tyranny, you know, masks are anti-freedom. Those people are not your enemy. They are just victims of propaganda. And guess what? This shows they are breaking out of it. People, we are winning this war. I know that this is dark right now. So much anti-LGBT legislation going on in this country. But we are winning this. Once again, white evangelicals are now supportive of the LGBT community. The majority of a small majority, a very small majority. But they do. They do, my friends. Okay, we are going to win this. The, the brighter days are ahead of us. We are seeing that right now. Brighter days are ahead. D- d- this is beautiful news. And just remember the average show is smart. They are smarter than pretty much anyone gives them credit for. They are seeing the light even. Okay, people? This is good news. We we are winning this war. Anyway, um, yeah, that's everything I got for the news. Um, so, yeah, we'll do probably about two more segments. And then we'll end this program for today. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be back um, after a word from our sponsor. All right, so we are back. Um, And so for this segment, there's definitely one thing I want to talk about, maybe another. Uh, We'll see what my energy levels are like and, you know, what time it is because I'm actually preparing dinner right now, um, waiting for something to boil. So honestly, a lot of it will depend on that. But um, anyway, so I have been thinking a lot about my abuse. So if you have not been reading my blog, which I'll try to remember to put a link to in the description, um, or, you know, been following me on Twitter, which I'll also try to remember to put in the description. Um, I was abused growing up. Uh, my parents were pretty abusive. They mostly, a lot of it came through emotional neglect and physical, and in, Certain cases in physical neglect, but most of it was, the vast majority of it was, like, emotional. Like, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times they, they, like, physically neglected. Like, it was pretty rare, but enough for me to remember. Um, But it, it was really mostly emotional neglect. And then, you know, also emotional abuse, you know. um, Financial abuse, stuff like that. Especially in the later years, of financial abuse started becoming pretty more prominent. And that's actually why I ran away from my parents to be homeless for three months, uh, three and a half months. Was because of um, 
it, the financial abuse was definitely the straw that broke the camel's back. And my parents have kind of started heading down that road again with me. So, you know, I, 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 I reconciled with my parents and they are starting to head back down that road. Um, and the thing is, so basically what they want is for me to be the sole provider for the family. Um, that's actually why I ran away in the first place. And they kind of want me to become the provider of the family again. Like, okay, they didn't directly say that, but is I know the slippery slope that happens with them. I know that's kind of what's going to happen. And, you know, basically what they do did was they do a lot of, like, guilt shaming. Like, they made a few reasonable things, you know, like, I need to start paying for my car insurance again. Despite the fact they don't have a job, like, I just need to start paying for it again. They can't afford it. Um... But there were some guilt tactics that they used, um, which definitely affected me, you know. And it is really just, and especially after a friend kind of called me out on Twitter after I talked about this, you know. Um, I feel like I, it is so ingrained in me at this point that I am supposed to be responsible for everyone in the family. Like, I am responsible for the mental and physical and financial well-being of everyone in the family. My parents and my two younger sisters. Like, it has just been ingrained into me. Like, over my, pretty much my entire life, really. And so, like, for me, like, when my parents, like, I cannot be the sole provider of the family, you know? Like, I can't be the one who has to, like, financially watch over my parents, you know, make sure everybody's, you know, emotionally well and all that stuff. But, like, despite the fact they kind of pushed me to be that, you know? Not so much now, you know, but I guarantee you, like, I'd be stunned. I would be genuinely stunned if they don't end up doing that again because, like, that would just be against everything they've ever done, you know? means that for actually <laughs> growing, which I do hope for growing. Like, I want to be wrong. I want to make this clear. This is a case that I absolutely want to be wrong. Um, I just don't think I am because they generally don't learn and grow, unfortunately. Um, but at least that much, you know. They, they might, like, they've grown enough to be able to accept the fact that I am trans. You know, I don't think they're totally cool with it yet. But, you know, like, for accepting of it, you know, like, you know, like, for, for, like you know, for trying. They, they are trying, at least. Which is a lot better than, which is a lot more than they were, you know, before I ran away. A lot better. Um, but yeah, you know, like, even as a teenager, I remember one time my dad was, like, super suicidal. And he literally went to me for comfort. Like, he went to me to basically be, like, his counselor, his therapist, the person. Like, I, like, he was expecting me to give him, like, reasons to live. And I was a teenager, and I was expected to comfort my parents, like, keep them from committing suicide and all that stuff, you know? And, and, like, I, and, and, like, it's just been firmly embedded. Like, I am the provider of the family, you know? I'm supposed to be the one who keeps everything together, you know? Um, and so it is hard for me to not, like, immediately take it on myself. Like, when I hear my, like... Especially when I heard that, like, mom, I had to get a job. Like, mom cannot physically handle a job. She straight up can't. Um, and so for me, it's just like, oh, well, that means I've got to do everything for the family. Like, I've got to come in and save the day. I need to do this. Um, you know, I've got to become the provider of every for everyone, you know. Um, 
you know, and my friend was just like, what are you doing? You're not, it's not up to you to do all this. Why do you think that you gotta be the financial provider? They can do it themselves. I just can't think that way. Like, I know she's right. I just can't bring myself to think that way. Like, it's just been, it's just so firmly embedded in me. Because I was the oldest born, and not only that, I was born male, you know. Living as a woman now, but, you know, still born male, you know. Like, it's just what was embedded into me. And, like, I just can't get over it. I, like, people have told me for months now, it's not up to you to be the sole provider for everyone. You know, it's not up to you to be the emotional, you know, caretaker of your parents. It's not up to you to be the one who has to, you know, financially drag everyone, you know. Like, I just can't, I literally cannot. It is, like, all the other abusive things, like, was rough at the beginning, but usually after a few months, you know, I could at least, you know, kind of get over it, you know? Like, I wasn't completely in that mindset anymore. This is one that I genuinely cannot get myself. Like, I actually, just the very thought of it makes me, like, I am not joking when I say, like, the very thought of not becoming the provider to family, you know, is something that just brings me to the point of wanting self-harm. Not to the point of suicide or, like, wanting to die. Okay, yes, kind of wanting to die, but not suicide. Like, I've never wanted to commit suicide over becoming it. Like, okay, when my... I Okay, I became suicidal my parents were trying to force me to become it. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I'm obligated to do it. Like, the obligation factor is so strong with me that, like... I have legitimately almost self-harmed over it. Like, I just got to do it. Like, I just got to do it. You know, and I am not physically able to do a full-time job. Like, I have done full-time hours quite often. Um, you know, between two jobs or just one job. Like, I have done full-time hours. A lot of my working, my short working career has been full-time hours. Like, I know I am literally unable to do it. Um... I, my body has been falling apart, like, forever. Like, I am not joking when I said, say, that I literally got almost all the bad genes. Like, every physical problem that my family has, I have. Like, I literally have about 98% of them. So, like, even as a toddler, my body has been falling apart. Like, I could, like, sprain my ankle, you know, just by walking as a toddler. Like, I like I tore, like, ligaments and, like, tissue all the time just from doing nothing. I mean nothing as a child. You know, and, and to this day, my back is a horrid. My knees are horrid. My ankles are horrid. Like, everything is horrid with my body. I, I get sick easily, you know, everything, like. My my body is completely falling apart. Um, you know, and not to even to mention like how horrid my memory is. Like my memory's always been terrible. It's only gotten worse. I have poor hearing. That is something I know most people don't know. Like you really only would know that if you know me in real life. But like I, I'm actually not joking that like I'm 22 and it's actually to the point that like my doctor and I and this ear and this um hearing specialist at Costco actually want me to get hearing aids. Like, my hearing is that bad. Um, so yeah, that's fun, you know. Um, poor eyesight. I don't have very great eyesight. Um, 
yeah, like everything is bad with my body. I, I, I do not have a very, I have had a body that's always been falling apart. But it's just like, for me, like, I kind of feel like, well, I'm a child, you know, like, even if my body is falling apart, you know, even at age 22, I can't have mom whose body is even more falling apart at age, you know, 50. Like, I just can't do that. And, like, I just cannot break out of my set. Like, it's been, what, like, over six months, like, six, seven, eight months, maybe. Since my parents gave me the ultimatum that I had to do it. But, like, it's been, like, a lifelong thing. And, like, but, like, it's been, like, eight months, you know, since I should have gotten out of this, you know. I had to break out of it. And I just can't. I literally cannot. Like, I feel just beyond obligated. I literally, no matter what I do, no matter how many times a friend or a therapist or my case manager tells me, you're not responsible for all this stuff. I feel it. I have just so innately feel it. And it tears me apart. It really does. Like, it's something that brings me a lot of distress. I just can't break out of this mindset. I just can't. I want to. I just can't. I and. I don't know. Like, I'm... I, I guess I'm kind of at my wit's end what I'm saying. You know? So, yeah, you know, I guess that's... Probably... One abuse... Thing that just... Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll just never be rid of it. Like, it's the one abuse symptom... That'll always just, like, be there. Like, the one really big one. Like, symptoms of abuse, like... Will always, I know, will always live with me to an extent, you know. Like, I'll always struggle with feeling loved, you know. Um, I will always struggle with feeling not neglected, you know. Into so many other things. Like, I'll always struggle with not feeling completely worthless and like a lazy bum. Like, I remember as a toddler, my parents literally telling me if I was going to grow up to be a lazy bum, a good-for-nothing person. That's stuff that my parents told me from my earliest ages. Like, I know that that stuff will always live with me to an extent, you know? But, like, I am at the point where I've mostly dealt with it. But, like, I just cannot get over feeling responsible for everybody's health welfare. I just can't, you know? Like, yeah. You know, I guess it's just a lot, never long list of things that, like, I'm just not over, like... My sexist upbringing, you know, I was definitely raised in a rather sexist household. Um, definitely haven't quite gotten over that yet, you know. I was raised in a household where, you know, marriage is basically worshipped, you know, to the point that my dad subconsciously, I want to make this clear, it is completely subconscious for him. But he definitely believes that I, like, I had to talk with him, okay? Like, I had to talk with him. He definitely subconsciously believes it. Um, and, like, he, he straight up admitted to it at one point, which is why I know that he subconsciously believes it. Like, which is, you know, that you can only really be a good Christian if you're married. You know, so, like, this marriage worship, you know, you're only really good if you're married. Dang, you know, it'll just always kind of live with me in the background, you know. Like, I've kind of gotten mostly over it, you know, especially I've come to terms with the fact, you know, that my, I, I am very unlikely to get married. Like, like, yeah. 
Like, marriage was not, yeah, I don't know. We're going in off on a whole nother tangent, and I've gone on, talked about quite in-depth on my blog and stuff like that. You know, maybe I'll talk about it on the podcast some more, some of this stuff about that, but yeah, we're, we're just going to go down another rabbit hole that it's just going to take forever to go through. But yeah, so, you know, like, just things like that, you know, just raised to believe, you know. I was raised to believe that I was, that, you know, um, I was a subhuman monster because I was trans, you know, that was something I was raised to believe, you know, and I'm not going to lie, there are so sometimes, you know, every now and then where I kind of struggle seeing myself as not a monster, you know, where I do kind of see myself as subhuman just for being trans because it's just so deeply embedded. Like, I know those things will always be a part of me, but at least for the most part, I've got them under control. I just don't know if I ever, seeing how long it's been, I just don't know if I'll ever not, you know, if I'll ever get under control, the feeling of that I am responsible for everybody's welfare. I don't know. Will I ever? Anyway, that's um, really all I have for that topic, really. Um, So yeah, we're going to take another quick break and then we'll come back with the next segment, talk about some, you know, kind of chill out a little bit, you know, and end with a very good news story. So anyway, um, yeah, we'll be back in a minute, just a little minute after. So, yeah. Hey guys, this is Anna. So if you enjoy my content, whether it's my blog or my videos, or maybe even both, hopefully, uh, feel free to support me on Patreon. The link is in the description below, though you can look me up on Patreon just, you know, by looking up Anna Hudak. And so if you do, we have three tiers, $3, $5, and $10. At $3, the main reward is getting the podcast early. At $5, you get several rewards, um, including some things that I, you, unfortunately, I'm not really able to fulfill on at the moment due to the fact I don't have internet at my place yet, um, which is uh, access to um, research papers. Um, I, I When I do have access to internet, I am always working on those. I know I've been lately working on one about trans youth and what the science says about them. But especially at $5, I think the most enticing reward is getting access to all my videos on YouTube early. And then on the $10 tier, you get one to two videos early. You can suggest videos and podcast topics, among other things. And so feel free, once again, the link will be in the description below to support me on Patreon. I also, you can also do one-time payments for Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal if that's the route you would rather go. Anyway, thanks for listening. And for those who do choose to financially support, thank you especially. Okay, so yeah, we're here for the final segment now. And today, actually, as I'm recording this, it's um, Friday the 26th, and my favorite artist... NF has released a new album, Clouds to Mixtape. I have only listened to it once um, so far today. Kind of a shock, shocking thing for me to admit, considering that the last few albums, I probably at this point in the day would have listened to it at least 10 times. Um, okay, maybe not The Search. I wasn't the biggest. I was not a huge fan of The Search. 
But, um, you know, perception, definitely. I, 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 gosh, oh gosh, that was like a holiday. Like, okay, when the search came out, it was a holiday until I actually listened to it. And I was like, wow, this really sucks. I still fully maintain the search was a terrible album. I enjoy it, but it was a terrible album. Like, the quality is not good at all. But, um, perception, yeah, I, like, oh my gosh. Whew. I couldn't even begin to guess how many times I've listened to Perception or even Therapy Session. Mansion. I've listened to a decent amount, but it's really, on that one, there's only a few songs I really care for. Um, Mansion. That song, I did not like at first. That song has grown on me. Um, let's see. I'll Keep On is probably my, ooh, that, it's in the running for favorite NF song. Um, Paralyzed. And just a few songs I'll listen to every now and then for that album. But I, it Mansion is an album I don't really go back to all that often, if I'm being honest. Um, kind of messy. <laughs> um, but, you know, so yeah, I mean, I I, I love his stuff. And um, I actually do hope to do a video coming up soon on my top 10 NF songs. I just waited to wait for the mixtape to come out with, you know, see if it would change my, any of the songs would be added to that list, you know, but, um, yeah, and I'm also doing a Coldplay top 10 songs list because I am also a huge Coldplay fan. Um, and oh my gosh, that, it, that one will take forever. Um, Coldplay has released so many songs. <laughs> I don't think people understand just how many songs Coldplay has released. Like, if you go and find, like, the singles, they usually have, like, two or... Especially, okay, not so much in the last decade, but, like, during the parachutes, uh, Rush of Blood to the Head and X and Y era, like, every single came with, like, two or three other songs um, that were completely original and were never put on an album. So, like, they have released so many songs over the years. And then there were even, like, the songs that they released before Parachutes. So, like, I'm listening to, like, all of them. Just, like, all of them. Like, I like I am going to great efforts to make sure there's not a single Coldplay song that I miss. When I put together my top ten favorites list. Like, I love Coldplay. Like, oh my gosh. They're up there. Like, I'm going to be honest. I don't think Coldplay has ever released a bad album. Um, keyword album because there are a few songs i don't think were very good and especially for ep um kaleidoscope i think that was what it's called i i did not like that at all did, did not like kaleidoscope at all i thought that was pretty bad but um you know like but like i don't think they ever put out a bad album i think that the worst album they ever released was milo Zioto. zioto milo zioto really gosh i always forget how to say that name unless i've like listened to the album recently i think it's milo zioto you know, even then, I would just say the album is just mediocre. You know, it's okay. You know, it's it's good enough. Like, the song Paradise <laughs> makes it all worth it. Because that is absolutely one of her best songs ever. You know, but, um, yeah, I just think the album's okay. Like, you know, and every album, every other album is just amazing. Just, like, oh, my gosh. I've listened to, like, every other album just, like, so many times. So many times. Just love Coldplay. Okay, except for Everyday Life. I've not listened to that one very much. 
I could probably count on one hand, but it's not because it's bad. It's just I just find it to be probably the least enjoyable of them all. So it's definitely, like, very well done. I just don't find it to be super enjoyable to listen to. Aside of maybe, um, gosh, and I actually had to bring up my uh, music app. I use Amazon Music to see um, what was even on the album. Um, gosh. Um, let's see. Daddy. Okay, Daddy was just amazing, especially the music video. That was good. Arabesque. Oh, gosh. That that was, like, one of the first singles. Maybe it was even the first single. I don't remember. And the very first time when you hear Chris Martin cuss, like, this is like, wait, what? Is this Coldplay? Chris Martin can cuss? What? Um, yeah, that, like, okay, like, yeah, that was kind of surprising. Like, I not like, you know, like, I think previously the only time they had cussed in the song was not actually, you know, Chris Martin himself. It was Jay-Z, because they had J.C. on this song. It was like a remix of Loss, I believe, if, I was, if I'm not mistaken. Um, could be wrong on that. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, get off track a little bit. Um, let's see, Orphans. Okay, Orphans was amazing. That was a great song. Um, that one I could listen to a lot. And then Champion of the World. That was pretty darn good. Uh, but I'd definitely say Orphans was probably my favorite. I don't think that was the best song on the album. But Orphans was probably my favorite. Um, I don't know. Arabesque maybe is my... I consider to be the best. Maybe. Maybe. I, I haven't listened to the album long enough. So I can't really say for certain. Um, I just gotta quickly check out what that um, Jay-Z song was. We have Coldplay. Let me see right here. Where is that? Prospects March EP. Yep, there we go. Um, yeah, that was Lost. Yep, it was a Lost... It was Lost Plus... Um, that was the name of the song featuring Jay-Z. That was like the only ever time I ever like cussed in a song. And even then, I was kind of like, whoa. Um, but yeah. So anyway, um, when I'm kind of, let's get back to the NF album. We are like so far off base. But you know, like I, it's like, I've listened to Klaus mixtape once so far, um, and yeah, I'm going to give, like, very, very base first inventions. You know, just a first, you know, just very first impression. You know, just a, a first listen. You know, so opinions are due to change. First off, every song, like, in the search sounded just like each other. No, there was one song. I think it was Drifting where he actually did do something a bit different, which I appreciate. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about the song itself yet. Story, I'm not going to lie. Um... Kind of torn on how I feel about that song. Like, I appreciate what NF was trying to do with that. Um, kind of mixed on the execution so far. But once again, it's just first listen. Maybe it'll grow on me. Maybe I'll end up hating it more. Who knows? Like, it, to me, the entire time, I just had... it. Like, it reminded me a lot of this Derek Minor song. Um, from The Trap. Hold on, I gotta look up the name of the song. Um, it was a fantastic song. Um, if you have never listened to The Trap by Derek Minor, it, it's a fantastic album. It's a album that completely, like, kind of, like, 
woke me up to um, how racism is still very alive here in America. Um, so yeah, I will always thank it for the album. Also, it's just a good album, period. Um, okay, The Trap, Derek Minor. And there was a certain song there on that album that was like super fantastic. Um, come on. Oh, now my phone is just like pausing up. Okay, I'm going to pause this. Alright, so yeah, everything's back in order. My phone is no longer frozen up. Um, and I did look up the song. So the Derek Minor song that um, Story reminded me of was Decisions. That's the name of the song. Um, it, it, I, I don't know why. It really, like, okay, I kind of know why. You know, it was about, you know, like, okay, so that song was all about, you know, like this kid, you know, black kid. I guess like you... I, I, I think he was getting bullied, you know, by this gang. It's like he decided, you know, I'm just going to shoot these guys, you know. And his dad finds out, you know, and he tries to convince him not to. And a song ends, you know, with, like, place getting robbed, you know, and then the guy getting shot, you know. It, it reminded me a lot about Decisions. But that song, I feel like, was done a lot better um it, the very first moment i heard decisions it was like oh wow this is masterful storytelling <laughs> often to, uh, you know my very first listen to story i don't feel that about that like nf is good at storytelling when he's <sighs> it's hard to it's hard to explain he's being a bit more metaphorical you know when he's using like imagery you know we're talking about emotions when he's kind of talking more about like hey this is what happened you know and stuff like that you know like and that one song from perception um still got my amazon thing up so let me quickly find out what song that was um okay nope i forgot i didn't download the whole album just downloaded a few songs um, yeah, there was one song on the album. I think it was of my life, maybe. He was talking, like, but it was a song to his sister, one of his sisters. And I was talking about for life and all that stuff. It was just kind of, you know, that love song to his wife. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, they're not bad songs or just not great, like. He does really well on other things. Like it's like you know, um, Al City. Al City doesn't do very. You know, Adam Young of Al City. He doesn't do very well. So I don't think his songs where he's like, you know, <clears throat> where his head is not in the clouds. You know, not being like really metaphorical or all that great. I feel like he does really well when he's using big, beautiful imagery. You know, I think NF is the same way. Like, except NF doesn't usually use beautiful imagery. It's usually pretty dark imagery. But, you know, you know what I mean. Like, Eminem is a artist who does really... Like, if we're going to talk about, like, artists who do, like, really well with, like, the details, Eminem does that really well, I feel. Um, Kendrick Lamar, stuff like that. Um, MF Doom can do that. Right? I mean, a lot of the old-time greats. You know, there's some who do, like some greats who pull off imagery and metaphors like just astoundingly well like Aesop Rock you know I think Aesop Rock is probably the greatest okay you know he definitely is the greatest rapper who ever lived 
I don't enjoy his music very much, but I don't see how there's really that much of a debate against him being the best rapper ever. And the guy is pretty much all like metaphor, you know, for the most part, you know, and I feel like that, you know, I feel like that's kind of the thing that makes him stick, you know. Um, but, you know, there are other rappers like Eminem who do really well of giving, like, details, even if, you know, for completely outlandish and obviously not true. Like, especially a lot of the stories that he told on, you know, the Slim Shady LP. You know, like, that, oh gosh, that one song where he was, like, rapping about, like, just coming up with the stupidest stories. Like, like how is, um... Oh, gosh, that one where he was getting bullied at school and, like, you know, his brain fell out, you know, and he was like, how he killed, like, the, I think it was, like, the principal and this one kid brutally and all that stuff, like, completely ridiculous, but, like, the details were told in a really well, good way, you know. Like, Eminem does that really well. NF does not. I don't think he does that very well, to be honest. But, um, yeah, you know, NF's always done really good with, like, the imagery part. Um, you know, metaphors, stuff like that. And so, yeah, you know, like, I applaud him for trying to do something different. I definitely think he needs to. I'm just kind of, so far on my first listen to that song, kind of mixed. Um, Trust, featuring Tech 9 it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. You know, like, I was hoping... It was going to be a bit different than what it ended up being, like, but, like, like I knew that it was going to be kind of, like, what it was, which was, like, you know, a speed fast, you know, it, like, I'm just rat trying to see who could out-rap each other, really, you know, um, it's kind of hoping, that, like, I knew that was what it was going to be, but, like, my hope was, like, 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 at least start it off slow, then, like, build up to it, you know, so it's not just, like, right off the jump, a speed fast you know like, but like i knew it was going to be like i knew for that like nf was going to start the song off and he was going to be rap fat rap rapping fast and that's exactly what happened it's just like oh come on dude oh well oh well what, what you gonna say um yeah, that, that, that's all I really, you know, and I already talked about, you know, Lost before and Clouds. And the other songs didn't really leave enough of an impact, to be honest. You know, Paid My Dues is an older song. Love that song. It's in the conversation for my favorite NF song, to be honest. I love that song, so I'm glad to hear that on the album. Um, mixtape, sorry. But yeah, so first first impressions. Oh, yeah. Not a huge fan, to be honest, but um, yeah, but... Let's see. Um, is there anything else I wanted? Mm, we'll say we'll probably save this. Yeah, we're gonna save this for the next episode. Um, I feel like this episode's gone on long enough. Um, so yeah, we're gonna end with a good news story. Um, and this time, it was actually a speech given. So. In Missouri, they are trying to ban trans athletes, because of course they are. And a dad of a trans daughter, a Christian dad of a trans daughter, decided to speak out on behalf of trans people. And we're just I'm just going to play the speech for you. My name is Brandon Bulware, and Chairman, I'll go as quickly as I can. Uh, I'm a lifelong Missourian. I'm a business lawyer. I'm a Christian. 
I'm the son of a Methodist minister. I'm a husband. I'm the father of four kids, two boys, two girls, including a wonderful and beautiful transgender uh, daughter who uh, today happens to be her birthday. And uh, I chose to be here. She doesn't know that. She thinks I'm at work. One thing I often hear when transgender issues are discussed is I don't get it. I don't understand. And I would expect some of you to have said that and feel the same way. I didn't get it either. Uh, for years, I didn't get it. For years, um, I would not let my daughter wear girl clothes. I did not let her play with girl toys. I forced my daughter to wear boy clothes and uh, get short haircuts, play on boy sports teams. Why did I do this? To protect my child. I did not want my daughter or her siblings to get teased. And truth be told, I did it to protect myself as well. I wanted to avoid those inevitable questions uh, as to why my child did not look and act like a boy. My child was miserable. I cannot overstate that. She was absolutely miserable, especially at school. No confidence, no friends, no laughter. I, and I, I honestly say this. I had a child who did not smile. We did that for years. We did that against the advice of teachers, therapists, and other experts. I remember the day everything changed for me. I'd gotten home from work, and my daughter and her brother were in the front lawn. And uh, she had, my daughter had sneaked on one of her uh, older sister's play dresses. And they wanted to go across the street and play with the neighbor's kids. It was time for dinner. I said, come in. Uh, she asked, can she go across the street? I said, no. She, she asked me if she, if she went inside and put on boy clothes, could she then go across the street and play? And it, it, it's then that it hit me that my daughter was equating being good with being someone else. I was teaching her to deny who she is. As a parent, the one thing we cannot do, the one thing, is silence our child's spirit. And so on that day, my wife and I stopped silencing our child's spirit. The moment we allowed my daughter to be who she is, to grow her hair, to wear the clothes she wanted to wear, she was a different child. And I mean, it was immediate. It was a total transformation. I now have a confident, a smiling, a happy daughter. She plays on a girls' volleyball team. She has friendships. She's a kid. I came here today as a parent to share my story. I need you to understand that this language, if it becomes law, will have real effects on real people. It will affect my daughter. It will mean she cannot play on the girls' volleyball team or dance squad or tennis team. I ask you, please don't take that away from my daughter or the countless others like her who are out there. Let them have their childhoods. Let them be who they are. I ask you to vote against this legislation. Wow. How beautiful is that? A dad sticking up for his trans daughter in such a conservative state. And not only that, a Christian. Like, I, it astounded. It, 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 the thing that astounded me the most that this is a Christian dad. Like, it, it really should not be astounding. Like, Christians should be at the forefront of, you know, advocating, you know, for, um, you know, 
justice, racial justice, and, you know, for trans liberation and gay liberation and all this stuff. Like, we should be at the forefront of it. It's the Christ-like thing to do is what fits in with the message of the Bible, which is liberation, you know? And fortunately, we're generally the oppressors. And see this dad, who is, you know, a straight, cisgender, white, Christian male living in a very Christian, conservative state, Standing up, not just for his honor, but for, he even talked about, like, other trans girls, you know, like, this is going to impact others like them. It's just, like, that's beautiful, especially that he was willing to change his mind. That had to be hard, especially in such a conservative state, to finally just accept, yeah, I, I have a daughter, and I and I need to support her. How, how beautiful is that? Like... People's minds can be changed, including Christian conservative ones. I designed that so beautiful. Yeah, anyway, that's really all I've got to say about it, honestly. Anyway, um, yeah, if you enjoy my content, you know, um, support my content on Patreon, Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. You know, like, subscribe, um, comment, you know, um, leave reviews on whatever podcast platform you use. You know, um, send me an email with co comments or questions. You know, send a voice message to be played on the podcast. Um, you know, links for that will be all in the description below. And, you know, my email address as well. So, yeah, have a great day, everyone. Peace.